and turn to Psalm 19. As I was reviewing and well, editing and proofreading and adding and subtracting to this lesson uh, this afternoon and throughout the day, my day stunk today. I'm going <laughs> to be honest with you. It wasn't, it wasn't great on a natural level. I realized, well, this is for you, Greggy. This is for you. So uh, whether this is for you, saints, or not tonight, well, I'll leave that between you and the Lord, but this is for me tonight. So uh, if you're wondering why we're considering something that we consider rather often, that's just a simple lesson and a simple thought. Well, it's because this guy needed a simple lesson and a simple thought, and it worked for me today. So let's read Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. And there David says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful, Lord, that... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are as well as his Father, and your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Being Jesus, written out and borne out for us to partake in. Help us, Father, every day, today, and in the days to come, Lord, take your word for the encouragement, the feeding, the strength, the knowledge, the wisdom that it is. What a simple thought it is, Father, but what a glorious and a pertinent and relevant thought it is for us daily as your children. Help us to appreciate this truth that you've presented to us so clearly. We love you, Lord, this evening. Bless it to our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Very simply, as the title of our lesson says tonight, the well, the many benefits of the Word of God are there. I have it all throughout my notes, and I repeated it and cut and pasted a million times throughout the day today. The Word of God is beneficial. I know you're probably sitting there maybe saying, well, duh, that's what we understand. Well, I need to be reminded that day by day. And perhaps you need to be reminded that day by day. And the reason why I know that is because the Lord tells us in His Word that His Word is beneficial to us. And we're intended to partake of His Word daily. Uh, meditate on it, if not daily, moment by moment. And so, there it is. It's beneficial for us. He tells us in His Word. The Word presents to us its own benefit just by virtue of being what it is. But there are places in Scripture where it says that it is beneficial to us. Psalm 19 being one of those places. Job says, as I quote often, he said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, the Lord's lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And we know that the Lord speaks to us individually, speaks to our hearts through his spirit, speaks to us through his people, speaks to us through his ministers, and he speaks to us, of course, through the written word. I'm grateful for all of those ways that the word is delivered to us. And it is something that I hope that you hold valuable, hold Dear and do treasure, as we've considered a number of times recently. Uh, he said he treasured it more than his necessary food, and he did so because it is beneficial. And so Psalm 19 was what the Lord put on my heart to consider this evening. Before we go to prayer here, just as a very simple reminder and just as a step-by-step 
Well, just a presentation of what David was saying in agreement with Job here. What does the Word of God do for us? What provision does it make for us? I could just say that it's everything to us. You know, that it does just about anything and everything, but it fits every circumstance. There's something it's dealt with in the Word of God. It's presented to us how to deal with circumstances. Certainly the Spirit gives us strength in the moment, gives us a certain discernment for specific scenarios that aren't perhaps delineated, but the means by which we have the wisdom and find that that encouragement and find that wisdom and find all the things we're going to talk about tonight. All of those things are presented here in the Word, cover to cover. I mean, in, in this sandwich of this, this document, there is just about anything and everything that we might need. And so David says that in the first part of verse 7. He says, the law of the Lord, all of these synonyms of the Word of God, um, the law, the commandments, the statutes, the testimony, he says here in the first, uh, the seventh verse there, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word benefits us by changing us, warning us uh, and changing us. On Sunday, uh, I don't want to get into Sunday's lesson, but Sunday, unless something changes tomorrow, and I hope that it doesn't, uh, we're going to talk about the change that comes, that is called for out of God's people. Um, but this means more than just changing this converting. It means turning you around. It means redirecting you. It means stopping and halting and sending back perhaps even in the exact opposite direction. It is a restoring is what it is. It's restoring the soul. Uh, the word of God is perfect. It's a perfect standard by which it can stop someone who is imperfect. Help them to see this is the standard compare ourselves to that standard and be redirected. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it speaks to that, Paul does. I have a number of scriptures. I'm going to get through them rather quickly. You'll forgive me if I don't turn to them individually. But Paul told the Corinthians there, we all with unveiled... Mm, that's not it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's 1 Corinthians 3.18. Also a good scripture. Not right for our lesson tonight. I'll read it to you. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. If you dedicate your time to consistent, regular, persistent, sincere seeking of the Word of God, it will show you who you are. It will warn you of what you aren't. Or perhaps what you are that isn't what the Lord would have us to be. It will show you who He is. And warn you that those two things perhaps aren't meeting together in the same place. Uh, it's a perfect standard. It is a perfect guide for us. And it will encourage us to yield to Him. The Word of God will benefit you by warning you and redirecting you and restoring you as you yield your spirit to Him. Yield yourself to Him. That's one provision that it makes according to Psalm 19. The second half of that seventh verse says the testimony of the Lord. Also another word for his word. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Merely by studying the word of God, I've seen, well, different ones who don't have much by way of natural education, perhaps. I don't have a college degree. Uh, you know, I can't use myself as an example because you might say, well, that's obvious, you know, but there are certain ones where you'll look at them, you'll say, wow, this person is well-spoken, well-seemingly well-educated, and where they got that well-speaking, where they got that presence, perhaps. 
is from merely studying the Word of God. They didn't go to higher education or that sort of thing. So certainly the Word of God and an invested study in that brings a wisdom that, well, doesn't belie the lack of natural education, perhaps. It, it wouldn't suggest that. But it's more than just that. It's more than just making someone who isn't naturally educated seem smart, or seem intelligent. While it does that, it's much more than that. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, the most simple-minded, the most child-minded, naturally or spiritually speaking, the child mind of faith is wiser than the most intellectual of the unbeliever. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. The one who trusts himself to deliver himself, trusts himself at the expense and at the rejection of the Almighty God. One who trusts in that, no matter how intelligent, educated, all of those things they might be. The simplest one, this tall in stature or that tall perhaps even in intellect. If they've accepted the Lord Jesus for their Savior, they're wiser, wiser, wiser than that one would be. The Word of God makes even the simple wise. A wisdom of eternal uh, benefit, eternal magnitude. Verse 8, the first half of that. Another provision of the Word of God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The Word of God is righteous, it's perfect, it's upright, it is I mean, it is the straight, it is the narrow, it is the pure. It's righteous, it's good. There is nothing bad in and of itself. It has no flaw in it. No matter what people might say, no matter what contention might be brought against the Word of God, its validity, its content, its benefit, it is everything good, is what the Word of God is. It is everything good. It's the standard, it's the instruction of righteousness, it's the presentation of righteousness that we've been made by Christ Jesus. We've been made righteousness. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We have received that. And we've been given by the Word of God the direction and the enabling and the empowering and the understanding of how to continue in that perfect righteousness. Hosea says in Hosea 14.9, Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. Transgressors stumble in them. They don't understand that. But we, again, as simple-minded as we might be, naturally speaking, spiritually speaking, as simple-minded as we might be, if we know the Lord Jesus, we're wise. We understand we have a righteousness and we have the capability of walking in it. That should bring the reader of the word, the understander of the word, the student of the word, joy. As David says there, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. That's a provision that it gives. Finally, I'll give you the second half of verse 8 there where it says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's not a phrase that we use today. I don't know that I've heard it ever outside of Scripture, enlightening the eyes. But we're still familiar with the concept of it, what it means to enlighten the eyes. Ezra was speaking about enlightening the eyes in Ezra 9, 8, when he was talking about the blessing that the Lord gave them in having a remnant come out of captivity and return back to Jerusalem and reestablish that city that the Lord had established for His people. He says, and now for a little while, he was speaking in correction when he said this, but it doesn't take the joy out of it. Now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God. To leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place. That our God may enlighten our eyes. 
and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. Revival is a good thing in, well, in our circles, in Christendom, in the understanding of the body of Christ. Revival is a good thing when we have been re-given life, re-stirred in life. True revival. True revival is something of a blessing. And enlightening our eyes is a part of that. There's a stirring there. It doesn't just mean an understanding, although that's a part of it. There's an understanding there. Something that we're seeing and we're, we're comprehending the presence of God and the goodness of God and the hand of God and the work of God. But sometimes it's just even much more simple than that. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 29, the context being Saul telling his people, don't you eat anything until we get the victory that I'm looking for. It was foolish and it turned out to backfire on him. But Jonathan, his son, didn't get the message. And while he was riding through the woods, he saw honey on the ground, dipped his rod in there, ate the honey. Everyone went, oh no, he's going to be cursed. His father is going to be upset. His dad said, no, don't do this. It's a different story for another day. But this verse says, Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. He was rejuvenated, even naturally speaking. He was refreshed, even naturally speaking. He was encouraged, even naturally speaking. But there was something more. Encouraged in his spirit as well. There was victory that was theirs. They'd done some good things against the Philistines and he was just doing what was natural. Regardless, his eyes were brightened. His countenance was brightened. Same term that's there. Because he tasted a little of this honey. David said in Psalm 13, verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He was lamenting where he was at. How long will you leave me? How long will you forget me forever? All of these things that, while it is our natural flesh's inclination to get discouraged sometimes, it takes very little time to open up the Scriptures and say, Oh, He's not going to leave us. He's not going to turn His face from us for long. Sometimes He does hold quiet. How long will you hide your face? How long will you? shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? I need not be so for very long because the Word of God tells me I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Word of God tells me that there's joy to be found in the Lord. And so that's what David said there. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes. Let my countenance be raised. Saints, there's an encouragement that comes with familiarity with the Word of God. This commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, giving encouragement and revival to the spirit and the hearts of God's people. Now, I'm going to wrap this up because I've already gone longer than I typically do on a Friday. But why is it, well, when we look at Psalm 19 and verse 10, Closing out that passage that we read, more to be desired are they, his commandments, his statutes, his testimony, his law, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The perfect, sure, well, what else does it say? Perfect, sure, right, and pure word of God. What offers to us warning and change and wisdom and joy and encouragement as we follow our course? And that's just what we see in these two verses here. Just these two verses tell us and remind us of what the Word of God is for us. Peter told the Lord, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else will we go for encouragement, for for all of these things, for wisdom, for change, for joy? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. He stepped off from time to time. 
He went different directions and didn't necessarily heed perfectly in the moment. But he always came back because he recognized and he believed what the Lord, what he told the Lord here. Who will we go to? Where else is there? This wasn't just him like, oh, I don't have any other op- options. No, you have the words of life. You have them. And that's what we know. He has the perfect, the sure, the right, the pure word of God. And it offers all of these things and more. David got it right. Job got it right. Peter got it right. They knew that the word of God is beneficial It is beneficial to us as well. Purely, rightly, perfectly beneficial to us. The Word of God meets every one of our needs. Teaches us, guides us, leads us, instructs us, makes us wise, gives us joy, gives us encouragement. If we'll just take the time to seek it consistently and regularly. It's always waiting for us. May we always recognize the benefit to be found in the Word of God.